This is The Social Geek Radio Network. And welcome to Social Geek Rockstars. I'm Jack Munson, your host and marketing conciliary. It's better to burn out than fade away. We'll talk burnout today with Abby Fogel, VP of Marketing and Brand Relations at Unleashed Brands, Ali Krauss, VP of Marketing at Benetrends, and Scott Greenberg, author of The Wealthy Franchisee. Today's episode is brought to you by ServiceMinder, Hughes, and the panel is next after this word from Northeast Color. Northeast Color produces branded interior decor and custom signage solutions for the franchise industry with a special focus on value engineering. They work with franchisors to re-engineer their existing signage packages to lower costs on materials, shipping, and installation, all while maintaining the integrity of their client's brand. In short, Northeast Color literally makes things better. Learn more now at northeastcolor.com. Joining me now is today's rock star panel, author and keynote speaker, Scott Greenberg. Ali Krauss, VP of Marketing at Benetrends. And we'll start with Abby Fogel. She's the VP of Marketing and Brand Relations at Unleashed Brands. Hey, Abby, how are you? Hi, Jack. I'm doing well. When I think of burnout, you're probably the last person I think of because you're so busy, but you always have a smile on your face and you always have this positive attitude. But there's got to be something going on behind that where you've got so many brands that you guys have launched in like how long has Unleashed Brands been Unleashed Brands? Like just about a year now, right? Yeah, so um, Unleashed Brands was founded in July of 2021 and has done five acquisitions since wow. it, since exception. So yeah, we've been a little busy. It feels like you guys have been around in this current form for about 10 years now, but I guess that's just the um, the the amount of brands that have come on and the people who, that have joined your team and all of that. So I was thinking about this when it comes to just being ultra busy with acquisitions. When you add a new brand, some of us just see this as, well, you're adding a new logo, but for your role within Unleashed, it's kind of like you're adding a whole nother job. Do I have that right? Yeah, almost. So in my role, I oversee the franchise development marketing efforts for all of our brands. And so, yes, when we add a new brand into the platform, we have a whole integration process that we follow. It's a five-step process. The brand comes to our office for a couple of days. We learn all about them. And then we have this amazing smart sheet that our VP of product development has put together for us. I think it's like 300 and some rows that we go through to actually integrate the brands. And so as part of franchise development marketing, onboarding them from that standpoint, um, you know, looking at their ideal candidate profile, getting them set up on the right channels. We also redo their franchise development website. So mm. I'm going to end the year with launching eight websites for Unleashed Brands. Um, we're about to launch um, number five and six here in the next week. Um, so it's been quite busy, but um, very rewarding as well. 
So when you get that launched, are you taking time off or what do you do to get a rest or, or stop the burnout from happening after a big launch like that? Yeah, great question. So I don't think there's any like official time off per se. I think um, when we bring on a new brand, we're just so excited about that new brand. Our team is so excited about that new brand. And so I think everyone finds the energy for what they're passionate about. And when we're super passionate about these brands that we bring on, everyone is so excited to get them launched. And so there's not a lot of downtime in that launch period, getting them set up. I think the biggest thing is setting expectations with your team. And so when these brands leave our brand integration um, in person days, the next day we're not going to sell a franchise. And the next day we're not going to have their franchise guide done and we're not going to have their website done the next day either. And so really mapping out what actually needs to be done like in the next 30 days, what needs to be done in the next 60 days, because all of that cannot possibly happen in 30 or 60 days and really setting those expectations so that the team knows the mile markers that they're trying to hit and in the time frame, So not everyone's just running around with their heads cut off, trying to meet these unrealistic deadlines. Yeah. I could see that leading to people really losing their minds. If it was just, <laughs> let's, let's all start, let's do everything in week number one, right? There, there's a Yeah. And I think we've reason. learned a lot in the last year integrating these brands because it has like not gone as smooth as, you know, as possible. We've learned so much in the last year about setting expectations and actually spreading some things out because we don't also don't want to bombard the brand. Like we've got so many people at Unleashed Brands and the people that the brands are bringing on are oftentimes smaller than our headquarters teams. And so if we've got 50 different people emailing one founder for 80,000 different things, that can burn them out. <laughs> yeah. How do you sort of manage your own communications so you're not burning someone else out? Yeah. So in that initial period, all communications should go through our brand integration team. And if we are actually following the brand integration process, then it should be flowing that way naturally anyway. So I should be getting the stuff I need based off of people going in and following that process and getting me step-by-step, step, whatever we have already documented. If there are things that come outside of that, I should then communicate with our VP of brand integration and her team of what I need. And then she reaches out for that. So she's the main point of contact. That way, not everyone's reaching out to these teams and overwhelming them, which we've certainly done in the past and we've learned and we're yeah. still learning. <laughs> but I think that's part of, part of franchising is you've got this, this strange group of misfits that have gotten into franchising, right? Entrepreneurs yeah. and people with big ideas and, and a lot of type A personalities who would at times go around some of those rules and say, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to help this guy out with this brand because I know, I yeah. know how to take care of this, but you're mm -hmm. actually um, kind of going against the uh, the process there could actually burn somebody else out or maybe change their expectations of what is expected of them. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Tell me about how you sort of handle this with your own life and balancing work and personal life and all of that sort of thing. Like, how do you keep this tamped down so it doesn't burn you out personally? Yeah. Um, I think everyone's still trying to balance this out for themselves. I would say I'm not the perfect person. When you actually reach out to me to talk about this topic, I kind of just laugh to myself because I'm very much still trying <laughs> to figure it out as we all are. Um, but I think you have to, especially with the travel piece of it, 
um, when you're not trying to burn yourself out. I mean, I've been on the road a lot this year, as have mm-hmm. many people in franchising just post COVID. Everyone's back at conferences. I work remotely. So I travel a lot to the Unleashed Brands office on a monthly basis. And so I think post those trips, it's easy to get sucked in because you're so far behind sometimes and you're coming out of a conference and you haven't been answering your emails for a couple of days or you've been answering things periodically. And then you get home and I have to answer like 50,000 emails at once, just allowing yourself to like rest and get back at it at a better energy level than you would be if you're like emailing, trying to bulk email, respond to all of those things that you possibly missed. So um, I think that's hard to do too. Cause sometimes, you know, I get home and I'm like, Oh, I have like 50 you know, million things I need to do. Allowing yourself to rest when you get home from travel and then dive back into things. I mean, you can't rest for like several days, yeah. but you know, have that rest period, give yourself some grace and then get back at it at a higher energy level, I think is really important. Um, and then just also, I mean, I try to maximize my time when I am on the road. So when I'm on the plane, I typically have Wi-Fi, so I don't feel so far behind when I do get back and try to knock out emails and things while I'm on the road, that way it doesn't pile up so bad. And then you get home and you're so overwhelmed. Um, but yeah, I think just giving yourself some grace and just knowing that like people don't need a five minute response to their email. I think all of us get sucked into like, as soon as you get an email, you want to respond. And of course if it's urgent. Yes, I do. But not everyone needs a like five minutes response time. Yeah. I think setting up those boundaries, we had a pretty good conversation here on this podcast a few weeks ago about boundaries and it feels like email is the one thing and maybe text as well that, that just keeps coming into that boundaries question. Right. And, and I have found that I'm typically the, the person who um, with all good intentions sends those wild emails at, you know, crazy, stupid times because I'm working on some podcast idea on a Saturday or a Sunday morning or something like that. And I don't really expect my coworkers and colleagues and customers to respond to that. I just want to send it their way. So, you know, maybe they can see it when they can see it. But I do realize that while I could be setting them up for really uh, thinking that I'm expecting some answer in the next hour or something like that. And that's not the case. How do you deal with that as far as like telling people, you know, I'm not going to email you over the weekend or, you know, please do email me over the weekend. What What's a good way to start that conversation with someone who maybe doesn't know you quite as well? Yeah. So I try to be pretty clear with those who are on my team, just about, you know, my life and my work-life balance and how that works for me. And just because that works for me, I'm not always expecting a response from them. So I do try to set those expectations with my team. They know that I travel a lot. So I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be on a plane at weird weird hours. Sometimes I'm on a plane at 5am and I'm sending emails. Sometimes I'm on a plane at midnight and I'm sending emails. Don't feel like you have to respond to those unless for some reason I would mark it as highly urgent, which typically doesn't happen that often. But just letting them know that, hey, I'm sending those emails. You don't have to respond. I'm not expecting a response from you. That's just when I'm working because I am traveling and I'm trying to catch back up. If I'm sending emails on the weekend, I do try to use like schedule send and outlook. So mm. I'm not bothering them. I mean, mm. I always have my phone on me too. So I'm con- and I have notifications. So anytime someone emails me, I'm constantly looking at it. So I do try to use schedule send a lot, although sometimes it will backfire like this weekend when I was working on Saturday morning and I was planning to schedule send it for Monday morning. So I was like, Hey, see attached. Like, let's talk about this in our meeting later today. I was just so busy answering emails. I hit send and I was like, Oh, 
they're going to see that email. Think I'm referencing an email today. I was like, oh. So that Saturday I, afternoon meeting we have planned. I was like, yeah. oh, so I, I quick texted and I was like, hey, I meant to schedule send that email, but I accidentally hit send. So when you see it referenced in a meeting today, that's not happening today. It's supposed to send it on Monday. So you just have to be careful because sometimes uh, that will happen when you're schedule sending or you schedule send stuff. And then Monday morning comes, you start sending emails related to the emails they're only supposed to send at 9 a.m. That has happened too to me as well. Um, but I do try to use schedule send that way I'm not blowing them up all weekend long or if they can wait till the next morning. That way they're, you know, if they're spending time with their family or whatever they might be doing, they're not constantly getting my pings for um, emails as well. But I think it's a balance. Just setting expectations with your team. If you are expecting them to respond or maybe you have a certain notification that you use with them um, if it's highly urgent. But yeah, I try to schedule send or just let them know that I've got a weird schedule because I travel a lot and don't don't think that you have to reply at those weird times. Yeah. You travel a lot. Everybody on this call uh, travels or or at least this year has been traveling quite a bit. Sure. I don't know anybody who travels quite as much as Scott Greenberg. Scott, um, <laughs> are, you, uh, are, are you on the road this week or are you actually giving yourself a, a few days off the road? Uh, I just got off the road. I have a few days off, but next week uh, I'm back. But yes, this week I'm uh, I'm home. Um, but the errands that I'm having to run and my wife asked me to run, it's almost as stressful, actually. <laughs> so. That will burn you out way faster than business. Yeah, yeah. You've got uh, quite a bit going on, including uh, your book that everybody talks about constantly in the business, The Wealthy Franchisee. And congratulations on your TEDx talk that just launched last week. Um, it's, uh, it's getting a lot of views, I understand. And, and I personally loved it. So with all of that going on, how are you managing all of the travel, all of the promotion and everything, but also making sure that you are not burning yourself out because you are one of those people who I see burning the candle at all ends. Not well. <laughs> the short answer to the question. All right. All well, of us on this car. Like, yes. how, do, how are we doing with this? Uh, we're we're here. Okay. You know, Jack, I speak on customer service, management, franchise success. I don't speak on life balance. So I'm not even sure why you brought me here to be on this panel. Um, but I'll tell you what my, you know, the experiences with my business is I feel my perception is that I'm surrounded by urgency because mm -hmm. most of my communication is with either uh, prospects or with clients. And I know that for a prospect, if someone reaches out interested in having me speak at their event, I'm probably not the only speaker they're reaching out to. So I don't want to make them wait for me to answer the call, respond to the email, to get them the information that they need, um, because I want to get the answer so they can make a quick decision. And because it's also um, sort of a preface, an idea of what it's going to be like to do business with me, I want them to know that I'm responsive and quick and they're not going to have to wait. Well, then the other conversations I have were with my actual clients. And so for them, there's a lot of urgency. And part of it is me really trying to provide a great experience for my clients and customers. I don't want them waiting on me and causing them stress. It's very stressful to put on a conference. I don't want to contribute to that. Um, I want to make, my job isn't just to give a good speech, it's to make their life easier. So if they say, Scott, we need you to send over a bio or we need to know your flights, I feel like I need to get that to them as quickly as possible. And one way that sometimes creates stress for me is, you know, I like to tinker with my presentations, my content, even my PowerPoint until the last minute because I'm getting more information, I'm thinking, I'm creating. But often a uh, a brand will say, hey, can you send us your PowerPoint presentation in advance? Sometimes they want it, you know, weeks or a month in advance mm -hmm. and I haven't even put it together and I want the time to make it, you know, great, but I feel the urgency to, to get that done. So 
you know, in my you know desire to make sure that I can book work, and then my desire to really give people a great customer experience, I find myself having to do a lot of last minute things and scrambling and, and late nights. And and I'm grateful for the activity. And that's you know the other thing. So sometimes I'll accept too many presentations in one month because in three months I don't know if the invitations are going to be there. So I kind of need to stock up for the winter kind of thing. Yeah, be careful <laughs> of that though because I think. It's really easy for all of us to stop saying no, right? Because there is that fear. I feel it every day. Every time I talk to someone who's interested in doing some podcast project, I never want to say no because what if this opportunity isn't there next year, right? And and I think there's always that fear with all of us on this panel today that, you know, what if they don't ask next year, right? What if that new opportunity or or new brand coming our way or, you know, Scott, for you, a speaking engagement, what if that doesn't happen next year? And I just said no last November, right? So I think, I, I think it's, um, it's admirable to not say no, but I think there will be a time where we all have to say, maybe no to one of these things, you know, definitely not no to everything, but once in a while, we're going to have to pick something to not participate in. Um, does that feel like something you can do right now? Or, or are you just still sort of taking it all in Scott? I, I have no choice. And, and, and you really touched upon the thing that I find fascinating about this topic. I think when it comes to time management and life balance, there's a tendency to want to approach it tactically, mm -hmm. right? Well, this is the time when I'll check my emails and, you know, I'll sort of schedule my day and, um, you know, I should group like tasks all at once. You know, there's all these tactics you can get, but as I say with everything else in, you know, all the work that I do, there's always an emotional component of all these things. So you might know how to put together a good to-do list and create a schedule, but if you don't have the courage to say no, if you have fear of missing out, if you feel like you're going to put someone off by saying no, well, those emotions can then cause us to deviate from tactics that would otherwise work. There's always an emotional element of what we do. And so for me, that kind of reflection, where am I giving into my own fear? You know, where am I, um, where am I worried? And so trying to be more mindful of those things and then say, okay, the, the, the me that I aspire to be, the me that I would encourage others to be, that comes from a place of courage, who believes in abundance who believes it's going to be okay, what would that person do? And when I ask those questions, then it becomes easier to say no or when to push back and say, you know what, I can't get my PowerPoint presentation this week, but I can get it to you after the weekend. Mm -hmm. And um, so I can make it great, like reassure them that it's, you know, it's still going to happen. Um, but it requires some discipline. So it's not enough to have the tactical approach. I think emotionally, um, we need to work up the courage to be able to say no and to be able to stand up for ourselves. I like that idea of maybe not saying no, but saying not right this second, right? Because there's always going to be a little bit of padding with anybody who has some urgent need. I need this today. And the reality is, no, you don't. You you can wait till Monday on this. I've, I bet you can, right? I've done this many times. You can wait till Monday. Yeah. And, and I think by pushing back a little bit here and there, if, if that can stop you from having a complete, you know, meltdown because you just can't get something done today, um, I, I think we all need to push back just a little bit more um, when, when you have so many people asking so much. And I think that's part of franchising, too. 
with a, a lot of franchisors. Abby, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you see this. You've got so many brands and franchisees. It isn't like you have one particular entity that's asking something of you constantly. It's a thousand different entities asking uh, something at the same time. So I think pushing back a little um, might buy us all a, a little bit of time before we burn out. Um, and, and speaking yeah, of time, I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and part of being able to push back is understanding what is their emotional need. So mm -hmm. if someone says we need the PowerPoint this week, they're not just wanting a PowerPoint. They're wanting to get something checked off their list. Yeah. They're wanting to have that reassurance. And so I think when we say no, and they say in improv comedy, there's a concept of yes and. You yes, agree and. to it. I think in time management, it's no but. And the but part <laughs> is finding a way to address their emotional need, to give them the reassurance, to give them, you know, to let them know that it's still going to be okay and they're not going to have to worry about it. So again, we have our emotional needs, but they have theirs as well. And you can, when you identify what that is, then offer the reassurance there. Usually then there's that space for you to be able to say no and get everyone's needs met. Hughes powers the networks that people and franchises everywhere depend on. Hughes enables franchises to attract and retain more customers and create consistent brand experiences across locations. And once the right network is in place, franchises can further use their existing equipment, like providing secure Wi-Fi for guests or deploying digital signage to engage customers. A secure, high-performing network can protect a franchise against data breaches and the harm they can cause the brand and business. Hughes is small enough to care, large enough to succeed. Reach out and find out how Hughes can become your networking partner. Call Carl Udler at 301-601-6427 or visit Hughes.com slash franchise. Another very busy person who I've gotten to know quite well in the past couple of years is Allie Krause. Allie's so busy, she's actually... Uh, joining us today, going between one state and another. Hey, Allie, how are you? I'm great. I actually pulled over in a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot because I was <laughs> way uh, too engaged in this conversation to be driving. <laughs> <laughs> well, go get a very large coffee for the rest of your trip. Thank you for making the time. I like that you pulled time. over at a franchise. Yeah, very yeah. Did you plan that? To do my part for, I don't actually even know what town I'm in. So <laughs> whatever franchise he owns, the one in the in between Pennsylvania and Maryland. And I'm, I'm sure thankful. they are open for opportunities. So, um, <laughs> Allie, you've, you're a pretty busy uh, person these days. Besides your uh, VP of marketing role at Benetrends, you're also doing a lot of coaching and working with kids and uh, working with sports programs and, and all kinds of things. And then, you know, a, a charity event here or there, it seems like <laughs> about every week. Um, how are you balancing all of these things in the same number of hours per week that everybody else seems to have and, and they just can't get everything done. Um, I had a mug one time that says, I think I still have it. I got to find this for y'all, but it says Beyonce has the same number of hours in her day as you do. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I remember I got it when I was in my first couple of years, I was a special educator for seven years um, in Maryland. And I, I got it in my first couple of years of teaching because I, I'm listening to Scott and Abby and, and you, Jack, talk about how you can priority, prioritize things and say no, but <laughs> um, I can't do that. I say yes to everything um, and, and then need to find my priorities. But 
I don't always think it's a negative thing. I think people around me tell me it's a negative thing. And it's funny because people who see how busy you are will often tell you, you can't handle this all. You've got to give something up, Al. Like I hear it from friends and my husband and my family. And, but I, I never like hearing that because I don't think anybody really knows how I feel as well as I know how I feel. So I find that avoiding burnout because I am a burnout. I'm a burnout of being a teacher. I, I went to college for it. I did it for seven years and I learned firsthand what it was like to be burnt out of not only a job, but a career that you spent your whole life preparing for. So, um, it, it was a really, really dark time in my life that, um, I couldn't feel more opposite than that now because I'm always on a franchise high and, um, the, the new opportunity ahead of me is always what keeps me going. But I think, from the other side of things in burnout, people should be careful the way they approach people who either may have burnout or you don't really know how they're mentally, physically handling things. Um, so for me, I, I'm an assistant coach of the Baltimore Ravens cheerleading team. I, I do coach a special needs cheerleading team. And, and like you said, Jack, I do plan a lot of fundraisers specifically for my best friend whose husband has ALS. And I don't do those things because I didn't have the option to say no. I do those things because they make me me. And if I put all of my, without sounding too cheesy, eggs in one basket of just doing my one daytime job in franchising, I would hit burnout faster because that's not actually for me. I love my job. I love working in marketing. I love Benetrends. I've loved all of the jobs that I've been at in franchising so far in this short career of mine. But the piece that keeps me from being exhausted or burnt out is doing things for me that others may assume is too much for me to handle. Um, but without filling those hours, that's my personality. And I need those things to keep going. I need that fill of children and philanthropy and coaching and dancing to, to fill my bucket. And so um, I always recommend to people when you are starting to feel that burnout or you're exhausted of your job, which I, I really do think we all have those days. If you don't have that piece for yourself, it's just, it's going to come much quicker. I find um, we're all going to get together in February for the IFA convention in Vegas. And I find that when we go there, my favorite day of the entire week is the franchising gives back day. Right. And, and I feel um, that's a little bit about what you're talking about here in that that should be my least favorite day because we're typically out in the desert somewhere and it's, it's really <laughs> hot and I'm typically painting some metal shed or something like that. Um, and as opposed to, you know, the additional four days, which are in a nice um, air conditioned venue with lots of food and drink, that should be my least favorite day, but that ends up being the day that rejuvenates me more than the cushy days, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I feel like I'm doing something very different than, you know, there's no digital marketing happening out at a school in the <laughs> desert, right? There, there's no podcasting happening there, but we're actually doing something very different. And even though it's exhausting, it it sort of, you know, fills up that that need and and, you know, makes it a lot easier to spend the next four days talking about franchising and digital marketing. So, um, maybe we should all spend a little bit more time doing some other things that aren't your core day-to-day -day job and maybe find some other projects that even though it's going to require a few more hours per week, it could be hours well spent. 
That's yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't doing those sort of things the same when I was a teacher, when I did experience burnout, I thought the more hours I put in just one thing, the better I'll be at it. And the more I'll focus on it and, and the more I'll learn and the more I'll grow, but it actually just really, for me personally, and this is different for everyone. For some people, it's just sitting down and reading or it's taking a walk. And mm-hmm. for me personally, it's being very busy and giving back. And that looks that looks different for everyone, um, um, Jack. And obviously, yes, IFA is a perfect opportunity to explore if that's something that makes your heart feel good. But I, I really just am not one of those people that that truly believe every hour of your day is only focused on what your job is. I think that you'll find more love in your job if you find more things that are also love for yourself, which is, uh, you always hear people say, work-life balance, you got to find it. And it's just, it's, not, it's easier said than done, right? We all have to yeah. find what that balance is and it's different for everybody. Um, Ali, what I, what I like about what you're saying is it's not just about resting and having white space. You don't have mm-hmm. a lot of white space, but you have some activities that drain your battery, but others that charge your battery. Mm-hmm. And that's what works for you. So it's not just about resting. It's just about doing the things that make you feel good. And then it makes it easier to do everything else. Yeah. And resting to you looks different than me, right, Scott? Because I, I actually get anxiety sitting on my couch. Like I, I can't do it. I don't find joy in watching television, sitting down. It's, it's not easy for me. I think about all the things I could be doing. Um, and I find joy in things I could be doing, whether it's dancing or, or meeting with friends or coaching a team or, or whatever it is. So you, you fill your bucket in your own way. Mm-hmm. What does everybody else do when it comes to recharging your batteries? Scott, anything sort of pop to the top of the list that recharges your battery and it could be something restful or it could be something that, that actually requires more work. Any, any thoughts there? Uh, ironically, probably my favorite thing to do is to plan trips, just mm-hmm. not business trips, like family <laughs> trips. It's a totally different experience like that. I uh-huh. love uh, the other thing just short term is I'm about 18 inches right now from my electric guitar. And so quite often during the day, I'll just reach over and grab it and hit some power cords and, you know, work through something and it's able to absorb me. And that, uh, that helps out. But like, I'm not good at lying down at taking a nap at meditating, that kind of stillness that doesn't do much for me. Um, but a lot of other non-work activities, um, do charge my batteries. Interesting. Very good. Abby, what about you? What recharges your batteries? Yeah, I love that. I also think it depends on your personality. So like Ali, for example, I would see would say is such a natural like extrovert. And every time I see her at a conference, I think I get energy from her because she's just such an extrovert that has so much energy and loves being around people. And I by trait am more of an introvert. So I recharge more with like alone time. Um, and sometimes I have to get a break after some of those conferences and things like that to, to recharge and, and be social again. Um, and so I would also say in my daytime, I like to walk my dogs um, on a daily basis. Um, sometimes I like break at five o'clock since I work remotely, walk my dogs, like recharge, get outside, get some movement. And then if I have to um, come back and I have some things I need to finish up for the day, at least gives me like a little break, a little mind break, gets me outside in the air, get some movement going again. Um, and so I like to walk my dogs every day at the end of the day, whether I'm going to keep working and just need a little break or if I'm actually like done for the day. But um, yeah, that's my little recharge. Do you find that when you're doing something like walking the dogs, you start to think about work ideas and come up with sort of yes. the next big idea? That's where it comes from, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I, I always tell my colleagues that you would have no idea who I am on the weekends because I'm usually covered in dirt, mud, cutting down trees, planting trees, doing all of this stuff out here on the ranch that... um 
that you know you typically wouldn't uh, put together with digital marketing and podcasting. It has nothing to do with any of that, but okay. it recharges yeah. me. And and that's usually where I come up with the next big idea of something that I want to do next year. It's usually not sitting, um, staring at an open laptop. That's I I cannot get inspired by that. So gotta <laughs> yeah. go out, breathe breathe a little real air. Um, you've all talked about travel, and I know this was probably the biggest travel year for all of us in the past three or four years. Um, what does 2023 look like for all of you when it comes to travel? Will there be more travel, more conferences, more internal company travel? What does that look like? Uh, Abby, let's start with you. Yeah, so I think everyone's kind of at the stage where they're trying to figure out what 2023 is going to look like for them and their brands. Um, I think I had a lot of travel in 2022 just because my role was new. I was new at Unleashed Brands. I was still figuring out what conferences I needed to be at, where my team needed me, and our team was growing. And so I think there's some conferences um, that some other, you know, subject matter experts might be at, you know, in 2023 that maybe I was at last year, just a someone to go, someone to be there. Um, but now we have, we're going into 23 with a, a more stacked team than we've ever had. I just think of our recruitment team this year, we've onboarded 50% of our recruitment team. And so, you know, we're walking into a year with people who have almost a year under their belts. I'll have a year under my belt when I, when I go into the year. And so I think um, everyone's just reevaluating, we're reevaluating where they need to be. Um, so I think it'll probably be a little less for me in, in the, the new year, but not anything dramatic. You'll still see me at, you know, IFA and FLDC and emerging. And then of course I work remotely. So I'll be in now the Unleashed Brands office, which is in um, DFW, Texas. But um, yeah, I think that's just where I'm at personally. Okay. Allie, how about you? Do you see the travel schedule getting lighter or, or busier or what does that look like in 23? Yeah, pretty similar to Abby. I think um, so. Benetrans went to 57 events this past year, but wow. we cover them all because we do partner events, franchisor events, uh, SBA specific events, and I'm kind of still learning that side of the world. So um, I tend to stick to the ISA one, similar to what Abby just mentioned. Um, but I think overall this year was also everybody was so excited that everything was fully back on their normal month schedule mm -hmm. that we just went to everything. And it was kind of fun to test how things would reopen and re-energize post-pandemic. So I think I'll cut back next year too, just in the sense of I've already gotten to taste them all, I think is the best way to describe it. Um, but now I really want to make sure that I'm showing up to the things that are really the most valuable for me as a marketer for my company. Yeah, I found that um, skipping a few events this year was beneficial and in two ways. One, it, it gave me and a couple of times it gave me a, a week or two between events that I could actually focus on getting something else accomplished. Abby, you mentioned that, you know, coming back from an event and having so much to catch up on. Um, but it also opened my eyes to what about other events that we haven't been going to maybe not IFA events or maybe something mm -hmm. or in uh, a particular vertical or a particular you know, other industry or something like that, or maybe, uh, maybe it's a marketing show of some sort that um, maybe there's more opportunity there. And, and I think that can be um, a bit of a recharge too to go to something where you don't know what's going to happen. 
every hour of the day, right? It's yes. a new crowd. There are new people to meet. There are um, new speakers on the panels that you've never heard of, right? I, mm -hmm. I found that to be kind of interesting too, to kind of jump into some into some new events as well. Scott, I saved you for last on this question on purpose because I don't think you're going to be traveling less this year unless you tell us otherwise. Well, I hope not because that's how I, uh, you know, that's where I get the Buffalo meat. That's what um, pays the bills, right? <laughs> although I will say I, I cannot go on LinkedIn without seeing another photo of either Allie or Abby with a new name tag from another conference that they've been at. Like it causes me stress seeing you guys. And sometimes together. Right, totally. Like I've seen that Imagine. so many times, right? So um, and, and again, I, I have my own FOMO just looking at the two of you. Um, so, you know, it, it, there was a time in my career, especially when I was working other, in, speaking in other industries where I you know, would typically book engage, speaking engagements, you know, 12 months, 18 months out. It's not like that anymore in the speaking industry and certainly not in franchising. Sometimes mm. a month or two in advance, I'll be invited to give like, you know, a, a keynote. So it's hard to know at this point, but feeling the momentum, seeing my January, February, I'm probably the biggest Januaries and Februarys I've had. So if that's an indicator, then hopefully um, it, it will be a busy year. And uh, I hope to have to be more deliberate about finding that life balance. Excellent. Before we go, does anybody have sort of any parting thoughts for any of our colleagues listening to this who may really be on the verge of burning out or, or they're not sure what they should do if, if they should say no, or, or maybe no, not now to something, any, any advice that anyone would like to sort of give to our friends out there? As somebody who burned out from one career before franchising, um, I wish someone would have checked in on me. So I think hmm. my advice is for the leaders out there, the managers, the higher ups at your companies, I think that there's signs of burnout and I'm by no means an expert. Um, but I wish that somebody would have paid more attention to what was going on to me with me as a young teacher, because I just didn't have the opportunities to really open up and talk about it with my principals. And nobody actually knew that it was a problem until I quit. And then everybody wanted to say, wait, how can we help you? And it was too late at that point. Yeah. So I think as leaders and as coaches, we have the opportunity to, especially in this digital world where you don't have these one-to-one -one interactions or you're not traveling to 57 events and taking photos with your friends. Um, I think that there's opportunities to have more personal conversations with people that you either manage oversee or even just colleagues that you work with and check in on people. I've been told that one of the biggest signs of burnout is somebody saying, I'm so busy. I'm just so busy. I'm so busy, but and so I think when you ask someone how they are and they talk about how busy they are, there's actually more behind that because we're all busy. But mm -hmm. if you don't find yourself being one of those people that constantly just say, well, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so overwhelmed. Um, it's almost like someone's looking for someone to say, wait a minute, what's really going on? Are you okay? How are you feeling? How can you get energized? How can you find these times for yourself? How can you professionally develop? And whatever it is for you, any of the tips that we've given on this podcast now, um, I think there's a lot of opportunities to talk to people that you work with. So my parting advice is to look out for people who can maybe be saved from this incredible franchise industry that we're in. Um, I hate the thought of somebody leaving the industry the way I left a former um, position that I was in because I love this industry so much. So if I have the opportunity to help someone feel more energized or mentored, then I want to be able to do that. Excellent. Any other, um, any other things we should look for in our colleagues besides 
saying, you know, I'm so busy. Were there other signs looking back at yourself that that you would have recognized that we should look for in some of our colleagues right now? Yeah, I mean, at the time I was, I think I was also just like really working the bare minimum. Like I started to tell myself that I putting in the extra hours isn't making me happier. So maybe mm -hmm. if I leave at four o'clock on the dot every day, I'll have more time outside of work, but that wasn't really it for me. I think I was, I think I was looking for satisfaction in the job I was doing for the students I was doing for the industry that I was in, um, just to be recognized. Cause you're being a teacher is, is really lonesome, especially when you're with young children. I specifically was with a lot of children who were nonverbal. So for somebody to feel like they're looking out for you or that you have a friend and you're not alone in your position, um, is really important. And a lot of us are, are, Abby has a huge team, but I'm the only one in marketing at Benetrends, right? And I know a lot of us have positions like that as well. So I think if you can find your people and you can find your support system while also looking out for others, um, not just the um, busies, but if you just start noticing someone acting differently or somebody not showing up at your holiday Christmas party or <laughs> little yeah. things like that, if somebody's starting to check out, um, there's a story behind it. So talk, talk to someone and offer, offer your guidance and your support and give them ways that you have found that re-energized -ener, re um, momentum in your industry, I think can be really powerful. That's great advice. Um, Abby, any thoughts on um, advice that you would give uh, any of our colleagues out there who may be feeling it or, or maybe seeing it in some of their coworkers and colleagues? Yeah, I would just say understanding um, what motivates them and their own personalities. We all talked in this call about our different personalities and how we recharge and how we find that work-life balance and just understanding that your employees are going to find it in different ways than you might. And they also might be motivated by different things. So whether it's praise in front of the whole team or they hate praise in front of the whole team or what does keep them motivated and having those conversations with them so you can really understand their individual personality and keep them going through times of burnout or they're having feelings of burnout, how you can help them through that to their specific, um, you know, actual needs. So just understanding not everyone's going to be like you. Like I'm the type of person that um, I do find energy in working at 9 p.m. at night and getting my stuff done and just knowing that others on my team are not like that. And so I think just, um, yeah, understanding that people work differently from you and what you like as a person, and then finding the ways that you can help them through that. I couldn't love that more. Scott, any uh, parting thoughts on recharging for our colleagues and, and our coworkers and friends? Yeah, I, we can always make more money, but we're never going to create more time, right? Like time is an account from which we only make withdrawals. None of us know our remaining balance. And so not only do we deliberate about how we spend our time, but also save our time. And so I would maybe suggest maybe to some people uh, start off your day with making a list of what not to do. Hmm. You know, what are all the things that don't have to get done? What are all the areas where you can save? Um, you know, sort of like you're packing for a trip, you realize you packed too much stuff. So what's got to go? Same thing with all those tasks. What can you take out each day to give yourself a little bit more breathing room? And uh, I, I think that would serve people well.
ServiceMinder is the platform for managing and operating home services brands, from tracking marketing efforts to delivering professional online proposals directly to clients, to lead capture, to automating daily tasks. ServiceMinder provides unique tools and integrations designed to make your brand stand out from competitors. See why ServiceMinder currently supports more than 50 home services franchise brands and integration partners. Book a demo today at serviceminder.io. And thanks for listening to Social Geek. Your comeback of a lifetime starts now. This is the Social Geek Radio Network.